Hey there, it's Mitch here. And before we get into today's episode, our spring membership drive has officially sprung and we've got one heck of a giveaway. When you make a donation in any amount to Vermont Public by March 16th, you'll be entered to win a new roof valued up to $15,000 thanks to Vermont Construction Company. Your support makes everything we do possible. Make a gift today so we can keep bringing you the trustworthy, reliable news you count on day in and day out. To make your gift, head to vermontpublic.org donate. And thanks. From Vermont Public, this is The Frequency. I'm Mary Engish, filling in for Mitch Wortlieb. It's Friday, February 16th, and here are today's headlines. The Vermont House this week fast-tracked legislation to tweak part of the state's education finance formula and let school districts postpone their budget votes this year. Property taxes are forecasted to spike by 20 percent this year, and the measure, which passed out of the chamber on a voice vote, is lawmakers' first attempt to tamp down education spending. Representative Scott Beck, a St. Johnsbury Republican, said on the House floor Wednesday that lawmakers were well aware of how disruptive the bill was, but saw no other option. We understand, I understand how difficult this will be for school boards and school districts and their voters. Um, It is a lot to ask of volunteers that have spent a tremendous amount of time uh, in what is normally a very difficult process. The bill is now off to the Senate. Meanwhile, at the State House, lawmakers are considering setting a cap on how much the state can pay hotels and motels participating in Vermont's emergency housing program. In the last fiscal year, the average rate the state paid hotels and motels participating in the program was $143 a night per room or over $4,000 a month. But now legislators have proposed capping that rate at $75 or $80 a night to rein in costs. Lawmakers are expected to decide on a final number in the coming days, but whatever rate they land on would go into effect almost immediately on March 1st. And some hotel and motel owners have signaled they may drop out of the program if the rate cap kicks in. Brenda Siegel, an advocate for unhoused Vermonters, says... The uncertainty has caused anxiety among people receiving shelter through the program. These individuals literally don't know what they're supposed to do right now. They don't know where they're going to be in a couple of weeks. Governor Phil Scott's administration has said that a rate cap could provide leverage for the state to eventually lease or buy some of the motels and hotels and convert them into longer-term shelter or housing. The top prosecutor in Addison County, who faces a DUI charge, is taking medical leave. Addison County State's Attorney Eva Vakos plans to return to her position after a short break. That's according to a press release from Vakos attorney David Slay. He wrote that the leave will allow Vakos to resume her job, quote, once fully grounded and up to the task. Vakos pleaded not guilty on Monday to allegedly driving drunk to a crime scene in late January. Her relationship with law enforcement has been strained since her DUI arrest. About a week after the incident, she told county police chiefs she didn't feel safe around law enforcement anymore and said police in the region had elementary school writing skills. That's according to emails from a public records request. Slay, in this week's press release, wrote that Vakos also hopes to restore her working relationship with Addison County law enforcement once she returns from leave. 
And elsewhere in Addison County, select board members for the town of Addison were surprised late last month when they discovered that member Peter Briggs was serving an extra year. It traces back to 2021, when the then-town clerk incorrectly recorded Briggs' term, writing 2022 instead of 2021. That's according to Seven Days. Briggs has attended and voted at the board's monthly meetings since his term was supposed to expire in March 2023. After reaching out to the Vermont League of Cities and Towns for guidance, Addison officials are adding a one-year select board position to their town meeting day ballot. Briggs is running against Levi Barrett for that one-year term. Coming up, disagreement over how to treat 19-year-olds in Vermont's criminal justice system. That's after this. The Frequency is supported by MVP Healthcare, offering Medicare Advantage plans made for Vermont and guided by doctors. In partnership with the UVM Health Network. Info at uvmhealthadvantage.com. The Department for Children and Families wants lawmakers to once again delay implementation of a law that would send 19-year-olds to juvenile justice system instead of to adult court. DCF officials say they need to bolster their staff and build a secure facility to hold youth before the law can move forward. But new research found that the first phase of the Raise the Age law didn't overwhelm the juvenile justice system. And advocates say that's a sign Vermont should move forward with its plan to bring 19-year-olds into the system this July. Vermont Public reporter Liam Alder-Connors joined Mitch Wortley to share more. So, Liam, first, uh, just walk us through what exactly the Raise the Age law is. Sure. So it's a 2018 bill that was signed, and the reform raises the age of jurisdiction for family court, which is where juvenile cases are heard, to include 18- and 19-year-olds. Vermont was actually the first state in the country to do this. And the idea is that it's based on brain science that young adults' brains are still developing into their 20s. And family court is confidential. There's more access to rehabilitative services um, that can help youth avoid future criminal behaviors. Um, The law does include exceptions for serious violent crimes like murder and some other felonies. If a young adult is charged with any of those felonies, they would still be charged in adult court. And the 2018 law brought 18-year-olds into the juvenile system in 2020, and 19-year-olds were slated to be brought into the juvenile system in 2022, but that's been delayed by the legislature twice. Well, as I understand it, there's a new report out from Columbia University that's looking at how the first phase of Raise the Age has gone. What does that research show? So what it shows is that delinquency cases, which is what Vermont calls juvenile criminal cases, um, have actually remained pretty stable since 18-year-olds were added to the system. And overall, the number of delinquency filings are lower than they were pre-pandemic and in the years before Raise the Age was implemented. So even though there was a wider pool of youth who could be brought into the juvenile system, the numbers haven't really increased dramatically, which advocates say is a good thing. There's also been a slight increase in youth on probation when 18-year-olds were brought into the system, but that's since dropped. It's not clear exactly why things are playing out like this, but some experts say that more cases might be diverted from the court into things like restorative justice. And that could make sense since the vast majority of charges against 18 and 19-year-olds are misdemeanors. And advocates have been saying that all of this is a great sign because there was an expectation that we'd see cases go up when 18-year-olds came into the system. 
and that didn't happen, which they say is useful to keep in mind as we approach July, which is when 19-year-olds are supposed to be brought into the juvenile justice system as well. So, Liam, what does DCF make of all this research, and did it change their request to lawmakers that they delay implementing Raise the Age? It hasn't changed DCF's stance. Uh, DCF Commissioner Chris Winters, you know, said that it's good to hear these numbers, but really that DCF is stretched too thin to handle even a modest increase in its workload. We're not currently in a position to provide the the level of support to youth that we're currently serving, uh, in other ways, across the entire system. So to add more strain to the system, even if the numbers are not high, is really an additional drain. Another thing that DCF points to is that they don't have a secure juvenile facility either and that they really need one if they're going to be bringing 19-year-olds into the system. And DCF says that until things like the staffing shortage and the facility are addressed, lawmakers should indefinitely pause implementation of Raise the Age. Now, the department has gotten pushback on this. The new Office of the Child, Youth, and Family Advocate wrote a letter to DCF that said, you know, they agree that more staffing is needed for the department. But Matthew Bernstein, the child, youth, and family advocate, says despite those challenges, Raise the Age doesn't need to be delayed. Raise the Age will add to DCF's workload in some way. But what I think I hear DCF saying is that even that minimal add is more important than the positive benefits to young people. Other advocates I've spoken to say that the lack of a permanent secure facility shouldn't delay this either, and they pointed to a new temporary four-bed secure facility in Middlesex, which is expected to be open soon, and uh, advocates say that those beds should be enough to handle uh, the youth that, that need that kind of secure facility. Well, ultimately, I suppose legislators will be the ones making the decision about whether or not to delay raise the age. Uh, Liam, do you have any sense of where lawmakers are at on that issue? Well, the Senate Judiciary Committee had a hearing last week, and members of the committee seemed wary of granting DCF's request for now this would be a third time they've delayed implementation of Raise the Age. Senator Dick Sears, who's the longtime and powerful chair of the Judiciary Committee, said he's concerned about postponing the law, but he'd also like to hear more from DCF, specifically about the kinds of cases DCF is seeing, uh, the acuity of them, and then also what DCF needs to serve 19-year-olds in the juvenile system. Those hearings haven't been scheduled yet, but I'm sure they'll be on the book soon. That was Vermont Public Reporter Liam Elder Connors speaking to host Mitch Wortlieb. For more info on Raise the Age efforts, visit our website, vermontpublic.org. Thanks for listening to The Frequency today. We had additional reporting from Lola Dufour, Report for America Corps member Carly Berlin, and Nathaniel Wilson. Our executive producer is Kevin Trevelin, and our music is by Blue Dot Sessions. I'm Mary Engish. Talk to you later. At a time when information continues to come at us faster and faster, Sometimes, you need to hit pause and rewind. NPR's Throughline takes you back in time to the source of the news stories filling your feed. Find NPR's Throughline wherever you get your podcasts.